Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Tam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey, NASCAR fans. Welcome to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee. I am Renee. She is Tam. Hello. Good. Good to see you. Glad to be here again with you guys. What a crazy weekend we had. A lot of sports going on. A lot of NASCAR. A lot of F1. A lot of basketball. <laughs> I mean, a lot, of, a lot of everything. And I know this is more of a NASCAR podcast than anything else, but we do like to touch on the hot topic around sports world. I know you probably did catch the basketball game. I know I did. But... Of course I caught the game. Yeah. Right after I left a fabulous pool party in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the pool party was crunk. Yeah. And next thing I know, I so said, where's everybody going? People started to leave because they wanted to watch the game. So I did catch the end of the game, the most important part of the game, where OKC yep. faded into the night. I'm not quite sure what happened. At one moment, I thought they were going to come back, and then I saw Ibaka got a foul. They were, like, only down by four points. And once Ibaka fouled, Steph Curry, who altered his shot in midair to go from not looking like it was going to yeah. make it to being fouled on a three. And right. next thing you know, the game was over. Yes, it is. And the NBA Finals is set. It will be LeBron and the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers going against Steph Curry and those Splash Brothers uh, from Golden State once again. A rematch from last year. I think this is interesting only because this is a completely different Cavaliers team. Last year, it was just LeBron. He literally had to do everything. This team is different. Everybody is healthy. Kevin Love is healthy. Kyrie Irving is healthy. And this makes this series such an interesting one because I know most people will probably think that Golden State might win this series again. But make no mistake, LeBron James and that Cleveland Cavaliers team is something to be reckoned with because LeBron James is LeBron James and this Cleveland Cavaliers team is completely so, different. So, Renee, it sounds like you're on the Cavalier bandwagon. Are you taking LeBron and his team over Steph, Clay, and Draymond? I might be. I might be leaning a little bit towards LeBron and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And let me tell you, the only reason why I think I'm feeling this way is because now I really, really want to see like how that team fits and how they work together as a unit on the court against a very, very talented and very good Golden State Warriors team. That team is so deep, it's not even funny. I'm just interested to see how the, the Cleveland Cavaliers team really, really goes up against this Golden State team from last year. Let's be honest. LeBron did everything. He was exhausted. I think by game three, he was done. I think he just got that energy from somewhere, and I don't know even know where, but he was exhausted. And now it's different because he doesn't have to do everything. He can actually rely on Kevin Love maybe taking over. Kyrie Irving is ridiculous. Maybe not as ridiculous as uh, Steph Curry with that ball handling, but Kyrie Irving's got some skills too. Let's not overshadow that by any means. Okay, well... I'm on record as saying I don't really care who wins because <laughs> I am caught in a dilemma. Like, I would hate for LeBron to go out and not win. But I'm a fan of Draymond and Steph Curry. Can't really say I'm a fan of Clay. 
I'm not sure why, yeah, but well, but yeah. So so I'm on record as saying I don't really care. I just hope that the games are as exciting as they were when they played OKC. I think this just goes to say a lot about a lot of these players that are playing in the uh, finals this year. This is LeBron James' sixth NBA Finals appearance in a row, something that hasn't been done since the uh, Boston Celtics of the 60s. It's going to be a good story. Well, speaking of stories, we had a lot of storylines over the weekend. We'll get into some NASCAR talk, but I do want to talk a little bit about F1 and IndyCar. Right. How about the story of Alexander Rossi never racing in IndyCar? First time actually racing in IndyCar in America. This kid is from California. He had to go to Europe. He raced in F1. He finally made his way back to the United States. He's running for Andretti Motorsports mm-hmm. in his first race in America, which so happens to be the Indianapolis 500. Right. And this guy wins as a rookie. Not to mention his two teammates had a collision right. that knocked them out mm-hmm. of winning. So it was an up-and-down day for Andretti Motorsports, but it turned out to be everything. Unfortunately, the real Andretti that was running, right, right. he didn't win, but this guy Rossi, he's a rookie, and he won. It came out of nowhere. I think it was completely unexpected. I don't think anybody thought that he was going to make that kind of a splash, but he did. And unfortunately, I think things like this kind of get overshadowed by all of the things that go on on the weekend. But it's actually very exciting. Speaking of excitement, and since we're talking about racing, Formula One was everything for you guys in America that got up early enough to watch it. 4 a.m., Renee, 4 a.m. It lived up to the hype. You had rain delays. You had accidents. You had two teammates that were going at it. There was some chatter on the radio where the team was telling one driver to let the other teammate pass. The other teammate got anxious, and he tried to pass, and they both Mm -hmm. wrecked. It was pretty good. But ultimately, Lewis Hamilton, Hollywood, Lewis Hamilton, the celebrity, you know, if you guys don't know, he used to date Nicole from the Pussycat Dolls. He showed up and showed out. (laughs) Yes, she is. (laughs) Lewis showed up and he showed out and got to the winner's circle and had Justin Bieber there. Not that we're Justin Bieber fans. Don't worry. Right. He had Chris (laughs) Bosch there. He had Gabrielle Union, Dwayne Wade. He had some celebrities there, yeah, some really he, I mean, And these were just there. the people that I'm naming. He had yeah. so many people there. If you guys remember last year, it kind of sucked what happened to him. So yeah. he was vindicated this year and actually won. Enough about Formula One and IndyCar. Let's get into what we all like, which is NASCAR. Now, let's get into the nitty-gritty. The Coca-Cola 600, the number 78 car. Congratulations on a huge win for Martin Truex Jr., Absolutely phenomenal win. A dominant win. I don't think I've ever seen a race car driver win any race that dominating in a long time. That whole race was just unbelievable for Martin Truex Jr. I mean, Martin Truex, he showed up and he showed out. I mean, I don't know if you realize, obviously we know he led 392 of the 400 laps and his 588 miles set a record for NASCAR, but to 
understand the magnitude of what Martin Truex did, he ran like one of the big boys. We all know Kyle Busch wins, 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 and he dominates a lot of the races. As well as Jimmy Johnson, you know, wins, yeah. wins, wins. But to put it in perspective, do you know Richard Petty led 491 of 500 laps in a win in Dover in 1974? Earnhardt never led every lap in a Premier Series race, but in 1986, he led 35 of 367 laps. Right. And obviously we're talking about Earnhardt Sr., not Junior. Yeah, Sr. Okay. (laughs) And now to just really bring it in perspective, Kel Yarborough, he started second in a 1978 race in Nashville and led 422 laps. He led the entire race. Prior to 78 and 73 in the Southeastern 500, he started on the pole and never lost the lead and went on to win a 500-lap race in Bristol. So bringing that back to Martin Truex Jr., uh-huh. this guy ran an impressive race like he was one of the big-timers or the old-timers. That's you know, right. He and, was up with the big boys. Right, and I think what that should tell everybody and, and people that are listening that probably uh, didn't catch uh, some of that, that should tell you those stats are far in between each other, meaning a lot of these stats were back in the day. So this doesn't happen very often so when it does happen really is something to embrace and relish because it's an amazing thing you don't see this all the time and for martin truex jr especially for this driver to have done this and what what even makes it more amazing is all the things that's been happening this season with him here's a guy who has had some of the baddest luck ever he hasn't had that great of a season. He's almost won, but not really won. He's had the fastest car, but never won. It's just just a really good thing to see, especially for this guy who's gone through so much on and off the track. And I think with all the things that have gone on in his personal life with uh, Sherry, you know, his lady and the things that she had been going through, it's crazy not to root for this guy. It really, really is. And I know we, we've talked about this already, and you hear the uh, the Dale Earnhardt Juniors, you hear the Kevin Harvicks, you hear the Jimmy Johnsons, you hear the Kyle Bushes, but this is a guy that you really, really feel good about winning this race and in the manner that he did it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I can add much to what you're saying other than there were some comments back and forth on Twitter and Instagram. On our Instagram, a lot of people left comments and if you guys aren't make sure to follow us on twitter and instagram we're Mm -hmm. at turns no breaks we had people commenting saying that this couldn't happen to a nicer guy i even shed a tear i'm admitting i shed a tear not too many but i think i got a little choked up when sherry his girlfriend (laughs) was in the winter circle and she was standing there talking and then she just grabbed him and gave him this big old bear hug that did it for me, but that yeah. should do it for anybody because, again, like Renee said, this guy is just great. It couldn't happen to a better driver. Everybody in NASCAR Nation, whether it was Jimmy Johnson, I think even Joey Logano has something nice to say about this guy. Yeah, a you lot know? of the drivers came in and just had some really awesome things to say, and that should tell you exactly where this guy stands in the minds of all the other race car drivers and and they just have just the utmost respect for this guy as well as i'm sure a lot of nascar fans do uh that really follow the sport so let's go into the race itself some people actually complained they didn't think it was a good race i thought it was a good race 
there were moments where you were kind of like, okay, but when Jimmy was coming for yeah, Martin? Yeah, at one point, Jimmy Johnson actually started to make this really interesting. And here's a guy that I actually think from last week that I picked to uh, possibly win this race. So when he started to come on, I'm like, all right, here he comes. Yeah, and I mean, let's not forget <laughs> Kevin Harvick. Yeah, because Kevin, Kevin Harvick we, was in the we picked, well, my pick was Tony, which was more of an emotional pick. Right. I picked Kevin Harvick. Uh-huh. I picked Tony and Kevin Harvick, which is, I know, you got to choose one. But <laughs> but we had a dark horse. Yeah. Kevin came in. I was like, okay, this is getting good. Obviously, there were some pit roll penalties that knocked a few people out. Carl Edwards and I believe Joey Logano. Aside from that, I thought the race was great. What did you think? I can understand why people maybe thought it was boring. It wasn't as great. I think sometimes we want a little bit more of a competitiveness with these drivers, but it's hard to criticize how boring this race was because of of what we just have talked about. I thought the race was fantastic. I would have liked for it to have been more competitive. However, because of who it was and how he did it, I cannot begin to explain how exciting it was to watch Martin Truex Jr. really dominate this race and, and eventually win it. So let me ask you this, Renee, speaking about being competitive, there were a few tweets, and you know, NASCAR fans, we are where we are, you know, yeah. we always bring it back to some conspiracy, we're never happy, we're always complaining, but we love the sport. But with that being said, there were some comments that came up on Twitter about a few phantom cautions. You know, people felt that NASCAR made up some cautions to stop the race so maybe Jimmy can catch up and, you know, on the restarts we can see a little action. But what do you think? It's always hard to kind of go, all right, conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory. You always want to believe them depending on how the race is going for you personally. Like if your driver is in the race and needs that caution to... Yeah, because I think at one point there was <laughs> yeah. a, a water bottle that yeah. somehow mysteriously made exactly. its way on Exactly, and track. like out of all things, a water bottle? Like, when is there ever a water bottle? Come on, let's be honest. So, in that sense, yeah, I can understand why people would think conspiracy theory, but in the end, I think nature itself just took over and said, you know what, enough is enough. And Truex just went and just completely just took over the race. Even after Jimmy Johnson made it interesting, it was just nice enough just to see Martin Truex go, all right, you know what, forget all this conspiracy theory talk. Forget about everything that's going on right now. I'm here to win this race. I've dominated this race already. I'm sure he knew personally that he was dominating this race the way he was. And, and I'm sure he knew Jimmy Johnson was making it interesting. But I think at some point, mentally, not only individually, but through his entire crew, I think they all just mentally were on the same page. They knew they had the fastest car. They knew they had the best car on the track. And you know what? They were like, enough is enough. Let's just end this race one way or the other. It's over. We can go on and on about that. But obviously, we're happy for Martin Truex. So let's rewind a little bit and talk about the Xfinity race. Okay. Our guy, well, I guess I should say my guy because you've already gone a record of saying that you don't think this guy is going to win a race. True. And yeah. we're talking about Kyle Larson. It was that same familiar close but no cigar situation. Larson was there. And then Hamlin was there in the winner's circle. Yeah, very I true. Mean, 
What do you think? Do you I, think I, this I guy's luck is going to turn around at some point? You know, I am going to have to eat my words here. And I think ever since I did say that, and ever since I did say that, that Kyle Larson might not win a race this season, it seems to me ever since then, <laughs> he's been almost there winning So you're saying a he race. listened to the show. Exactly. <laughs> or somebody has listened to the show that is on his team or is that has some kind of connection with him. And don't get me wrong, Chase Elliott is still racing very, very well, but Kyle Larson has just turned it up a notch a little bit higher. And so, and I respect that. Not for any other reason than I'm sure that he's actually listening to our podcast, but just the <laughs> fact that it's just happened that way. And it's just a coincidence. Ever since I said that the last several races, He's almost been right there, and he's raced really, really good. He's had a good race car, and his team has put on a, a really good race car in that track for him. Going back to Martin Truex Jr. for one second, while he was in the winner's circle, he said, quote, I had confidence, I have faith. I think Larson has confidence, and he has faith. Yeah. And I think eventually he's going to win. Now, the debate is still up whether he's going to win a race before Chase Elliott but I do have faith and confidence that this guy is going to win a race. I, I agree with you. Speaking of these two, I want to talk a little bit about who's in the chase and who isn't in the chase so far. Okay. Believe it or not, we have a few drivers that aren't in that you would think would be in by now. Mm -hmm. Logano's not in. Dale Jr.'s not in. Kurt Busch is not in. Greg Biffle is not in. And these are all guys that year after year, somehow, some way, tend to make the chase. Right. So let me ask you this. Out of those five guys, again, Logano, Jr., Bush, and Biffle, and of course, Tony Stewart. Right. So that's the fifth person. Who do you see making it and who do you see not making it? And um, there are a few spots, but just out of those five, who do you have in and who do you have out? I definitely see Logano, Jr. And you got to pick one. Oh, I just got to pick one. Okay. I definitely see Logano in there. So who's out? Who's out? Number one on my list. Honestly, really don't see Tony Stewart making it. And I hate to say that, but just compared to the other drivers put into that same category, oh man, I hate to say that about Tony Stewart because I really like this guy and, uh, and I know it's his last hurrah and I know he's retiring. I just don't have the faith in him the way that I have probably the faith even with Bush and Junior and Biffle. I just don't know if maybe there's just a lot of other distractions going on that mentally when he gets in the car i mean don't i'm not trying to say he's not focused i'm not trying to say that his heart isn't in it you know i mean he's not driving like crappy or anything you know what i mean it's not like you know he's uh not finishing the race or anything it's just that i just don't see the fire in it as much as i see the fire in the other guys does well, that make any sense that makes perfect sense but i have to disagree i feel like I think it was 2014 where Tony swapped pit crews with Kevin Harvick. Right. I feel like things have not been the same since then. And granted, we know there was the leg injury and there was the right. unfortunate incident. But I feel like since 2014, when that happened, when, when he switched uh -huh. pit crews, things haven't been the same. And on that note... I like to listen to the scanners during the race. I love to listen to the radios. I do, too. I, I like that. You really get the intimacy of, yeah. of how these guys are talking and what they're seeing and what, what their pit crew is seeing and how they relate to each other. I like that a lot. Yeah, so I tend to tune in to people who I feel are going to make me laugh, who are going to curse a lot, who <laughs> yeah. have a lot to say. Surprisingly, 
Junior is pretty interesting on the radio. Right, right. But there are some drivers I have to check to see if I hit mute by accident because there's no noise. <laughs> I had the pleasure of listening to Tony's radio during, oh, right during all the action. And he said, quote, we're getting beat in the pits by C-grade teams, unquote. And of course, he said much more. But when he said that, it clicked to me. And I was like, yeah, didn't he swap pit crews? And so there were some changes. So I feel as if Tony has it. And going to what he said during an interview earlier that day, he said one of the things he's most proud of is that he feels as if he can get behind the wheel of any car and race. This guy's a true racer. But for whatever reason, whether it's the pit crew, whether it's the team, something's wrong. Yeah. You know, and I don't think it's karma because I know some people say it's karma. No, there's right. something wrong. Yeah. Tony, if you ever listen to this podcast or we have some some smoke fans and the ladies that love smoke are listening. <laughs> and I'm sure send, there's a lot of them out Send there. a little positive energy his way. There you go. Yeah. So one one last note about the chase. I have one of those questions for you, Renee. Alrighty. If one of these two drivers is gonna make it to the chase, who would it be? Okay. Chase Elliott or Kyle Larson? Ooh, and this, you, what this goes, do yeah, this goes me. back to your <laughs> comment about who was gonna win a race first. Right. And now right. you feel like you're eating your words. I, I, I do, yeah. I do. Kyle and, Larson, you're making me look really, be, really bad, buddy. Before you make a comment on that, I don't know if you realize, but Elliot was in the top 10. Yeah. Or, yeah, he was in the top 10. I think he placed 8 in right. Charlotte and the Coca-Cola 600. Correct. And Larson finished 13th. Right. I'm going to be real with myself, and I'm going to be real with the fans out there that are listening. And I'm going to stick to my guns here. I'm, I'm going to say Chase Elliott gets in before Kyle Larson. Now, Kyle, if you want to go and prove me wrong, that's one thing. But I'm sticking to my guns, and I'm, I'm going to say Chase is going to make the chase. So I'm going to say Elliot. I'm going to go with Chase Elliot. So um, you think Chase I'm gonna is going to go make Chase the Elliot. chase? That's right. Okay. I mean, I... Renee didn't know this. <laughs> he may have known this. and But when I interviewed Chase Elliot the week of Daytona 500 this year, I actually told him, I said, how cool is the fact that your name is Chase? And I said, Chase, you're going to make the chase. The chase wasn't invented when he was born, but... The stars have lined up for him. It, it's going to happen. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, so moving on, I wanted to talk a little bit about cars going to the R&D center after okay. race. And this is post-inspection. Post Martin Truex car went to the R&D center after the race. Right. It was almost like everybody was like, this car is too fast. There's no way that there wasn't something illegally wrong. Right. Now, granted... Kevin Harvick, who was the runner-up, his car went, and then Greg Biffle's car was chosen randomly. Right. But it's just interesting. They take these cars to post-inspection. What really can happen from the time they go through inspection before the race to when they actually hit the track? You know? That is a very good question, and I think that something that really needs to be asked. I don't understand how anything could change from the moment that you inspected it before the race started to when the race ended. What could have possibly been done in between that time? Because unless your car has to go to the garage during the race for whatever reason, whether a wreck or or other mechanical problems that happen, what changes are you going to do dur yeah. during the I mean pit stop? 
Yeah, and you know I mean, that's the fourth inspection because exactly. cars go through pre-qualifying inspection, qualifying inspection, pre-race inspection, and then there's post-race. And for you guys that may not really understand what happens, basically when the car gets to the R&D center, it is torn completely down. They they pretty much check the engine and they disassemble like the fuel cells and uh-huh. all that stuff is removed. And they're looking at this car inch by inch by inch by centimeter by centimeter by yeah, centimeter. And, and that's but, my point. I don't understand what, what the reason for that is for. It's like the, the only other time that these guys can possibly do something, alter anything, is during a pit stop. I know these guys are fast during a pit stop, but they're not that fast. What do they have, magicians doing things like during the, the pit stop? I mean, come on, let's be honest. What could possibly have changed from yeah. the moment that you've already inspected it before it even hit the track to the time the race is over? Now, sure, you can look at Martin Truex's car and go, wow, well, he really uh, ran away with that race. Well, something's got to be wrong. Well, no, no, it doesn't. Maybe the guy really had a fast car. He had the best car, and I think he proved it. You inspected the car before he even hit the track. What possibility could there have been there was any changes during the race? And Harvick coming in second, same thing. So what? He came in second, but at what point would he have altered you know, anything on his car? Okay, in addition to not really being okay with the pit road speeding penalties, I don't like the restarts either. I am more of an old school type of person. Who cares who gets off of the starting blocks first? When you are running the 100-yard dash, all 12 people or however many people are in the race, you line up. When the gun fires, you go. Exactly. So off this, okay, you got to wait in before the leader. Who cares if you know how to hit the gas and go, go. And then with pit row, my thing is, as long as you get in the stall and you don't run anybody over, who cares how fast you're going? The one great thing about the all-star race is that the speed limit is non-existent. Right. But in racing, you know, during the race, I just feel like let's do away with speed limits and the whole restart thing. I just feel like it's complicated. I just have one thing to say. To quote Herman Edwards, you play to win the game. Exactly. So you're right. What difference should it make of how fast somebody was first and I was second? We're all trying to win this race. It's a race. A race. Hello, a race. When you're just racing in general, it's one thing to be respectful for the rules and stuff. And I totally understand that. And I totally get it. You try to make it a little bit more competitive. And I understand NASCAR is doing that. But I completely agree with you. And I think once it gets to a certain point, what difference does it make? We're all trying to be first place here. Exactly. Couple of hot topics. I want to talk about the article that came out in the Charlotte Observer that pretty much talked about whether or not Danica was making it hard for other female drivers. Again, we're not Danica haters. We're just saying, what do you think about that, Renee? And then I'll weigh in as a woman that thinks she can drive. Well, it, (laughs) that's funny. I don't think that she's making it hard for women drivers overall to break into the sport because honestly, if there is another woman driver that's a better driver than her, then I want to see it. I welcome that. I'm sure the other drivers welcome that challenge. I mean, I'm sure they respect Danica to a certain extent. She's, she's on the road. She's on the track. She's in the car. Probably drives that car better than any other guy can. Better than I could. I, I she mean, drives let's that car just better than face I could. it. 
Yeah. She drives it better than at least 10 people exactly. out of the 40 drivers each week. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, think they, and I think those guys know who they are. They can look themselves in the mirror and go, you know what? How sad is this that Danica Patrick is always ahead of me? Well, you can't say it's sad because first and foremost, Danica has better equipment than most of those guys. Danica? I'm just saying, I'm not a Danica hater. I'm just saying. Yeah, you know, I'm so, not a Danica hater either. Yeah. I'm not a Danica fan. That's yeah, let's just things. yeah, let's just make that very clear. Yeah. We don't hate Danica, but we're not Danica fans either. So let's just be clear. I don't even think we need to say anything else. And and no. if you want my opinion, I don't think she's making it bad for drivers. Not she, at all. She's not a great all. driver. She's just not our fan favorite. Right. And just for the record, we well, wait, hold her. on. Let me back that up. Okay. I said she's a great driver. She's a good driver. Right. and There's a difference between good and great. Right. And just for the record. Should I even say she's an okay driver? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Just for the record, we do respect her because she does drive that car more professionally than anybody else could. Like I said, I don't think she's making it difficult for other women drivers. Yeah. But if there is another woman driver out there that is better than her, I would totally love to see it. And not for any other reason than just I would like to see another woman driver on the track. I'll tell you, I have my eye on Dale Jr niece yeah she is gonna be something I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with her but she has a show on nickelodeon she's very active in racing she goes on dirty mo show she's gonna be special she's gonna be special even if she's just you know in the booth but keep your eye on dale jr's niece right on so last hot topic and we save this to the end We are going to weigh in on Brian France, CEO and chairman of NASCAR. We're going to weigh in on his comments about NASCAR targeting Hispanics and millennials. I will start off with giving you my opinion and my thoughts, and I'll let Renee take over. If you have watched any of the videos we posted, obviously, Renee and Tam are not Caucasian. Right. Renee's Hispanic. I am Hispanic. I identify with being African American. I am clearly mixed with a bunch of things, but I <laughs> identify with being African American. I tweeted this and my small following, mm-hmm. they chimed in. They jumped on it. Some people are offended because how do you say you're only going to target millennials and Hispanic? Then there's, what about the African Americans? We are here, contrary to what people think, there are an abundance of African Americans who love and enjoy the sport. I do not get into race. I do not care what you are. I am world traveled. I have spent time in the Middle East. I have spent time in the most hated place on my list, France. I've been all over this world. I mean, I've I've actually been to five continents. And I just recently got back from Qatar, which is all Arabs. I don't see color. If you are my friend, I am your friend. But because we are what we are, we have an obligation to comment on the comments of Brian France. I won't say I felt a sadness, but I did feel what about me? Why isn't my ethnicity group being targeted Mm-hmm. as NASCAR fans. And if you guys don't know, which I don't know how you don't, NASCAR is the whitest sport there is. The fan base is majority older white men. I don't know what to say about it other than times are changing. It's not a sport that only people in the South like. People all over like NASCAR. NASCAR, if you ever listen to this, 
understand that the fan base is bigger than the new target demographics that you're going after. And last thing I'll say, I remember a couple of years ago, the target demographics was minorities. And then, not that I guess we're not really minorities, but, yeah. but now it's been officially announced. This is an article that was on Yahoo Finance where Brian France basically said the new target is millennials and Hispanic. I am not mad whatsoever at the millennials thing because the sport needs to grow and in order to grow, you need younger fans. Right. But I don't think you separate Hispanics from African-Americans. No. I think the politically correct thing to say would have been millennials. But, you know, I'll let you speak as a Latino. You know, you guys are the fastest growing (laughs) demographics. You guys have power. You have money. So Yeah, and we um, a lot of sex all the time, too. (laughs) I'm teasing. So you're a Latino lover? Yeah, exactly. Latino lover. (laughs) I will say this. I totally understand what he was trying to say. And I'm going to say this only because um, for those of you who don't know, my nationality is Hispanic. I am also a comedian by, by trade. I do do stand-up all the time. I've been doing stand-up now for over 15, 16 years. Being PC has never been quite the thing for me to do. But when it comes to uh, professional sports and when it comes to professional things like this, I think you do need to uh, have some sort of filter and some sort of PC to follow. And in uh, Brian France's case, I think PC should have been a little bit in order. And maybe what he could have said, instead of just saying Latinos and millennials, maybe he could have just said millennials in general and left it at that. When you look at the sport of NASCAR, most people are going to think rednecks. Bunch of rednecks get together, drinking beer, watching fast cars, go left, 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 left. And that's been the, I think that's been the stereotype of NASCAR for years, I think, since NASCAR has started. But if you ask Tam, I think she could personally tell you how many Latino and African-American people that are out there that actually follow NASCAR. And you'd be surprised how many of those people actually love the sport of NASCAR. Now, I think NASCAR is getting more and more fans. I think they're getting more and more diverse with the ethnicity of fans. And I think that that's great. I think it's wonderful. As far as me personally, I wish that all fans would understand what it is to be at a NASCAR race. Trust me, I've said this many times over and over and over again. Do yourself a favor. If you ever have the opportunity to go to a NASCAR race, a professional NASCAR race, please do it because you will love it. And I guarantee that you will love it just like I did, just like Tam did, and just like a whole bunch of other people have that are not Caucasian and that are Hispanic and that are Latino, that are African-American, that are Asian, that are Italian, whatever the background is, I guarantee you'll love it. On that note, we're going to move on. We did get serious for a few minutes, but we felt obligated to tackle Brian Francis' comments to Yahoo Finance regarding only specifically targeting millennials and Hispanics. We are sure we have listeners that are of other ethnicities, just like we are, that enjoy NASCAR. So we wanted to make sure we tackled that topic. Now, moving on to our crazy fan comment of the week. It's not necessarily a crazy comment, but we wanted to acknowledge the comment of one of our Twitter followers. He actually has his own podcast. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at Joey underscore Powell, P-O-W-E-L-L. 
he listens to the show he tweets us every sunday and you know we wanted to acknowledge a comment that he made in regards to the race joy tweeted myself and a bunch of other nascar fans he tweeted us and said absolutely hate 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 this track slash race and joy was referring to charlotte and the coca-cola 600 we think it's a crazy comment because joy we love you but i don't understand martin truex won i'm not mad that he hates charlotte but you know i'm gonna disagree with anybody who said they hated the race because of the fact that martin truex won yeah so i'll leave it at that we're gonna talk about some predictions it's time for tam and renee's race predictions Pocono, coming up this weekend. Who you got, Renee? I am going to go right off the bat, and I'm going to keep going with this Martin Truex Jr. guy. I cannot begin to tell you how awesome he's probably feeling still after that race, and it's been several days already. I think he's going to keep it going. Okay, well, Martin Truex won Poconos almost two years ago to the date. That's right. So I am going to go with Dale Earnhardt Jr. Right on, really? Okay. And not that I'm just a junior bandwagon person, but, (laughs) you know, I like to do the research and the facts and the fact that Junior still has not made the chase. He has to win. This is Junior's year. Not that you guys don't say that every year. But Junior actually completed a sweep in 2014 where he won Poconos, uh, both races that were there. He's overdue for a win, so I am going to go with Dale Earnhardt Jr. And my dark horse is going to be Jimmy J. And I'm picking Jimmy Johnson only because even though he was excited for the number 78, he's a true competitor and he was a little disappointed. Yeah, perfect. All right. Well, we have made our predictions for the next uh, race coming up this weekend at Pocono. And if you'd like to uh, send in your comments, if you'd like to uh, put in your two cents about our show today or just anything that we've talked about today in general, please hit us up on our uh, social media accounts and Tam will let you know how to do that. We are on Twitter and Instagram at turns no breaks you can find me personally on twitter instagram and snapchat at i am sincerely tam and renee can be found on instagram twitter and snapchat and snapchat at it's renee garcia perfect this does conclude our show for today thank you guys for listening we always appreciate it for tam and renee this is All Turns, No Breaks, a show for fans made by fans. So thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee.